Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From every game of the FIFA World Cup to every single ball of the Test Summer, SEN Cricket will have it covered, of course, as we get ready for South Africa next up. So it starts tomorrow at the Gabba. We've been picking our way through the issues here. It's gone a little bit quiet, I reckon, in the last 24 hours. Um, perhaps the build-up's going to fire up again. Adam Collins, part of the SEN Test Cricket commentary team, is on the line. Good morning, Colo. Good morning, Matty. Yeah, it has gone quiet. Isn't it nice that we're just focused on what's going to happen on the pitch over the next five days? It feels like it's been a little while since that's been front and centre with no other distractions. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm with you on that because there are some things to discuss when it comes to the actual game itself, the, the matchups itself, form and and the futures of some players. Before I get to that, did you see that non-dismissal from Nick Madison last night in the BBL? Have you caught up with that where the bail just dislodged on its own accord? I saw a very quick clip on the social media. This kind of feeds my view that, um, that, that bails are something that we need to think about in a wider context. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I think that we might have reached a point where the bails are becoming surplus to requirements, but... Um, uh, certainly for bowls. I mean, how many times are we seeing the stumps hit and the bales not fall off? Remember that bales are there as an indicator as to whether the ball has hit the stump, at least philosophically. So mm. I think with television games, um, we're getting to the stage where maybe bales aren't needed for bowls and they're only really needed for runouts. But that's a, I know that's contested space and I don't want to annoy anyone on their Friday morning. <laughs> Well, you've piqued my interest. I don't know if I'm annoyed about it, but now I'm trying to think around it. So <laughs> are you saying if the ball... Where, okay, so take runouts out of it, but are you saying if the ball hits the stumps, therefore if we had Snicko, for instance, and we saw that the ball had hit the stumps, whether or not the bales are dislodged, that's out? I think I am, yeah. I mean, and also with runouts, you've got the technology with the zing bales, but the stumps also light up. So mm. I know that the laws of the game as they currently read are and have for 150 years, uh, the bales need to be dislodged entirely. And look, in recreational cricket, so it'll continue to be. But I think with TV cricket and technology and the influence there, I mean, we love the bales, right? They're a big part of our game. But I wonder whether they might end up being more ornamental than anything else. And the actual measure of a ball hitting the stump is when the, is when the stump lights up. Uh, we probably have reached a point where that could be possible. I mean, we saw last year in the Ashes where it was Ben Stokes was bold, wasn't he? Ben Stokes had, was bold. With yes. the ball hitting the off stump and the bail didn't come off. I'm like, how on earth did that happen? Um, I don't think that's, you know, that, that's, you know what I mean? The bales are there to dictate whether it's to symbolise to the umpire or to tell the umpire that the stump has been hit. We kind of know now with the technology. It doesn't work in recreational cricket, but with, mm. with TV cricket, maybe it's a slightly different story. Well, the good thing last night was that the cameras were there and Nick Madison gets yes. turned around. Otherwise, they would have just assumed that he stepped on his wicket. In fact, <laughs> he assumed that he stepped on his wicket and he would have been on his way. He got another nine yeah. overs and ends up with a career-best score. So we've gone down a rabbit hole there. Thanks for taking us down that one, but I like the way you, <laughs> I do like the way you're thinking. Now, let's get to how this one's going to play out at the Gabba um, starting tomorrow. We, we know the ins and outs and obviously a lot of focus around Scotty Boland. And Barat and I had a great conversation yesterday where it, it seems a case of 
it could have been either or, obviously, Nisa or Scott Boland. But Australia likes to go with what's hot at the moment. And there's no doubt about it that Scotty Boland's hot property. How much of an impact do you think he has on this match? Look, I think that um, the Boland-Nisa discussion is one that's been ticking over for the last week. I reckon they could build an evidence case for playing Nisa at Brisbane, Boland at Melbourne and even Hazelwood at Sydney because of their home ground. That might be a little bit too cute. But you're spot on in your analysis that Boland is hot. I mean, he touched his test wickets at 10. Let's not overcomplicate matters here. He played. He was in the squad throughout the winter in... Well, I say the, I say the winter in, in autumn in Pakistan and the winter in... Sri Lanka, and, and that was a reflection of his standing in the pecking order. Uh, and I think that needs to be respected, even if Nisa would... It would be a great story. He was in the squad 25 times consecutively before getting his first test. That was back last year at Adelaide. But he had to wait longer than anybody, having been brought into the squad around the team for so long. Playing a home test match would be ever so special. And I'm sure he will play more test cricket in England next year. He'll be part of that, that group of seamers they take to England for that series. But it might just be at the moment the pecking order dictates that Bowen um, gets that opportunity until Hazelwood's fit again. Meanwhile, Mitchell Stark's just four wickets away from 300. Can you can you see another magic moment coming? If 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 Australia mm. end up fielding first, Starkey's got the brand new ball, uh, a big big pump up to it. He's four away from 300. Imagine if he can roll out just another pearler first up. Rory Bernstyle, yeah, round his legs with the ball that swung a mile. Out. I don't know whether we could be so lucky to have lightning strike twice on, on that front, but the 300-wicket milestone is a considerable one, remembering the, the first person to take 300 wickets, Fred Truman, when he did so in 1964. It was one of the great moments in cricket history, and I know a lot of players have done so subsequently, but this is not a small thing. This is a major milestone for a fast bowler. Remembering that Mitchell Stark was dropped 11 times in about his first 15 test matches. He was in and out, took a long time to find his way, took a long time to be the attack leader, and that probably happens around 2016 or thereabouts. And even since then, he's, he's uh, had injuries from time to time keeping him away. But remember, this is a man who prioritises the test team above all else. He doesn't go to the IPL, doesn't play on the broader T20 circuit, only plays white ball cricket when he kind of needs to, when Australia require him to do so in and around major tournaments. He has made test cricket his priority, and I would say at some personal cost, and by that I mean not earning the riches that he would definitely get if he were in the IPL auction each year. So I hope we can celebrate that this week as a, an Australian cricket community if he does reach the milestone at the Gabba. But one, it's a really big deal. And two, this is a man who's committed a lot to Test cricket, prioritised Test cricket, and long may that kind of decision-making continue where Test cricket gets the, the reverence it deserves. Yeah, well said, mate. On the other side, South Africa's bowling lineup is is the feared part of, of what they're going to deliver here. And I guess what they're going to deliver, we know that, is going to be pace. But if they're smart, if they're smart bowlers at the Gabba and they resist the urge to dig it in short and use the bounce at the Gabba, mm. they might get the Australians thinking a little bit warily outside of off stump, for instance. But the Aussies yeah. on the flip side of that are very good at leaving. So I, I think we're set for a really fascinating battle between ball and bat when the, when the ball is in the South African pace attack hands? It could, couldn't be any more different to the challenge that South Africa had in England earlier this year where the Baz bowlers of uh, Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes were going at everything, which meant those test matches all ended inside three days. Well, of course, it won't be the case here. As you, as you described, the Australian's lead percentage against the West Indies was astronomically high. 
largely due to Labuschagne, um, who, who has become an ex- exceptional lever of the ball. And the South Africans last time they were here in 2016 did display the discipline that you're describing there as well. With At that point in time, it was Rabada and Philander. Um, and they were just immaculate. And even when they lost Dale Stane in that first test at the Wacker halfway through it, they still managed to bowl Australia out twice with three bowlers. So um, they know how to bowl in these conditions. They're going to have Lungi and Gidi, Anrik Nokia in the team. In, in, in the case of Nokia, he's the fastest bowler in the world right now. Uh, and Ngidi, Nokia and Rabada all have strike rates in the high 30s, low 40s. I mean, that's exceptional. That's, you know, right up there with the, the best to ever play the game. I know in a relatively small sample size, but you get a sense of what a threat they'll, they'll present. Then you've got big Marco Janssen. He's six foot eight. He swings it into the right-handers as a left-armer, which is always dangerous, and he's quick. Had a great start to his test career. So four-pronged pace attack with Janssen being the all-rounder, and then having Keshav Maharaj, who's taken a couple of test sevenfers this year, who made his test debut at Perth back in 2016 and helped bowl Australia out there. So, again, a guy with experience in these conditions, and he's been the number one spinner for South Africa for a number of years now. But they are no pushover. And my sort of sense of the overall situation is that first Australian batting innings could really um, set the tone for the series. If, if they um, do well and they can mitigate that risk that we're describing from the South Africans, then they'll probably go on and have a very good series because South Africa's batting is fundamentally weak. They have not got match winners in that side who've got a record to back it up with the exception of Dean Elgar. And Dean Elgar isn't an extravagant player. He's a gritty player who can occupy the crease for session after session, they, they lack that ballast in the middle order. So it's going to take the South Africans to blast Australia out, get them on the back foot and take advantage of any anxiety that might come from that. It's going to mean an awful lot when Australia bat first, whenever that happens to be at Brisbane. Yeah, very different, very different series ahead of us to the one we had in West Indies. Good on you, mate. You'll be my company throughout a long summer. I'll spend plenty of time with my earbuds in listening to you and I'll be on the tractor and on the ride on mower and Jared and the entire team. So have a good one. Cannot wait for it to start tomorrow. Thanks for your thoughts today. Have a great time on the tractor. I love the idea of people listening to us around the country. Every ball from tomorrow. Yeah, it's great fun. Good on you, Cola. Have a great one and Merry Christmas to you. SEN's coverage of day one between Australia and South Africa kicks off tomorrow, so 10 o'clock Eastern Daylight, saving time. It is a ripper of a coverage, and I'll be tuning in ball by ball. We'll take a break. 0457 736 736. Give me your top sporting moments of 2022. Your thoughts around this A-League Grand Final and Craig Goodwin. Um, having a further say as to why he just did not want to buy into it, yet they still used him in the promotional video. And strange things that have happened in the world of sport. And actually, off the back of that discussion, do we need bails? Do we need bails to see the dismissal? Well, the rules say currently, yes, we do. Back after this.